friends to the That's Ball Folks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is season three, episode two. And boy, do we have a doozy. We hit everything from the Sixers talking about Joel Embiid and his actual knee injury. We dive into injuries and how they just absolutely suck with the brutal news coming out last night. Brutal night in the NBA, injury-wise. Uh, we talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and what's going on there. Also talk about Giannis and his bizarre, bizarre post-game clips. Talk a little bit about Victor Wembanyama, Jokic. I know Sixers fans will love that. Talk about the Warriors and what the hell is going on there with Draymond Green and his podcast, and we'll dive into that. Talk about the Lakers, the Suns, Pat Beverly's quotes about Embiid, and we dive into the trade deadline as it approaches in February and cover really every rumor that's come out and look at it from a Sixers perspective. How's everybody doing? Again, hope you all had a great week. Really loving just being here. Fresh season. Feels good. I can breathe. Might not sound like I can breathe, but I can. Feels nice. Just snorted some hockey smelling salts. Michigan just won the national championship. There's a lot going on, and it's a it's a good time to be alive. Let's start at the top, and let's talk about Joel Embiid. A lot, a lot of talk about Embiid. Anytime Embiid misses a game now, it's like if you you need rent. You know rent's due. You need some quick money. You've got that blue check mark on Twitter. You can fire off some Embiid slander, and guess what? You're going to get that paycheck. That's just the world we live in right now. And it feels like every time that Embiid misses a game, there's some outlandish tweet that goes viral and that person capitalizes on it. I'm sure Elon Musk just shelling out that dough for some BS take. But every time Embiid misses a game, it's he's either ducking or, oh, man, it's back-to-back. -back, he can't play. I see way too much of it, and it's a joke. Turns out he's actually hurt. From his ankle, now his knee. He didn't practice yesterday. The dude is actually banged up, and it sucks. It sucks for many reasons. One... He just is out, and we want to win games. Two, how about the new MVP requirement? Games played this year. Because Embiid has missed eight games now, he can only miss nine more games or fewer to be eligible to win the MVP. That's just, that's the reality. I like that they put that rule in, but the rule was put in for load management. The rule was put in for teams sitting players on back-to-backs on purpose. The rule was not put in for injuries, and now we find ourselves in this strange predicament where Embiid has a, there's a very realistic chance that Embiid could have an all-time season offensively and be disqualified from the MVP. That's a, that's a reality. That's something that could easily happen, all because this rule that was put in place for teams sitting their players on load management and back-to-backs uh, Embiid's going to be disqualified or could be disqualified. Again, I understand why the rule is put in place, but it sucks. And a lot of people, uh, again, a lot of people on Twitter, mainly Jokic fans, are like, oh, he can't play back-to-backs. He's, he's a pansy. He's never played back-to-backs. Guess what? I know you're new here because you only started paying attention last year. Embiid never has played back-to-backs his entire career. When you're injury prone and have come off serious injuries like Embiid has and battled them your entire career, sometimes it's smart not to play back-to-backs. And you know what else? Let's talk about the NBA scheduling back-to-backs. What are they, like, you've got to, I don't know, it makes you scratch your head. Obviously, the Sixers have had some back-to-backs, but how about the most notably, or the most notable one, is coming up next Tuesday, 
Next Monday and Tuesday, when the Rockets come into Philly, and then the next night, guess who is? Jokic and the Nuggets. The second night of a back-to-back. Now, we know the NBA doesn't like the Sixers. That's not some conspiracy theory thing. That's not me with my Sixers homer hat on. It's a fact. But my goodness. Like, you would think that somebody in scheduling, somebody with the league would say, hey, this is a big game. This is a huge matchup that we want to see. Maybe let's space it out a bit and not have it on the second night of a back-to-back. Like, what are, what are we doing? What are they thinking? Clearly, if there's some vendetta, that's what they're trying to get. I don't know. I just hate it. Whatever. No vendetta, nothing. Say the NBA doesn't hate the Sixers. But still, what are you doing? I think it's ridiculous. Anyway, there's, there's my little rant. Uh, I hope Embiid is healthy. I hope that he comes back and plays. The Sixers don't play until uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, in Atlanta. And I don't know, man. It just it sucks. I wish that it was different. I wish that Embiid was healthy. I wish that it could be different, but it isn't. And he's battling in the injury. He's not ducking anyone. He is trying to get healthy. Because trust me, nobody wants to be on the court as much as Joel Embiid does. And I'm sure that he goes head-to-head with the medical staff, with the coaching staff, to do whatever he can to get out on the court. I know it for a fact. Anyway, Sixers have the Hawks in Atlanta on Wednesday, followed by a nice little homestand, three-game stretch with Sacramento uh, Friday, followed by a nice little weekend break with Houston and Denver coming to town. Sticking on the injury bug, and I hate that we even have to talk about it, but... Last night, as I mentioned in the beginning, what a brutal night for injuries. All-star guard in Indiana, Tyrese Halliburton, goes down with what looked like a brutal, brutal leg injury. The team ruled it a hamstring injury, a hamstring strain is what they're calling it. Watching him go down, he just kind of slipped and did the splits, and you could see all of Boston's bench, kind of just how they reacted, that it was bad. Halliburton immediately grabbed his hamstring. You can only hope for the best. Again, I talked about it last episode, but this dude is absolutely balling out, and it sucks. Injuries suck, man. It's terrible. I hate it. I really hate it. Again, it looked just awful, and I really, really genuinely hope that it is, obviously he's hurt, but I hope that it is the lesser of the possible injuries because that just uh, sucks. Brutal. Also, another injury. Ja Morant just announced tonight, or last night rather, that uh, he is having season-ending surgery on his right shoulder. The dude messed it up in a training session on Saturday, caused him to miss the game on Sunday at the Suns, had an MRI, revealed that he had a tear, and he is going to have surgery and be out for the year. Just when he was getting going, too. I just mentioned it last episode that it's good for basketball when he's back playing really well. And this happens injury bug, man. How brutal, really brutal. Again, I feel for both the guys, but look at Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, he was a runaway, the leading vote getter for all-star runaway starting all-star guard, the all-star games in Indy. So it would have been even better. And we can only keep our fingers crossed that he's going to be back and healthy because that sucks. Brutal, man. Prayers up to both those dudes. Let's let's dive into the Eastern Conference a little bit, and let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Last night, they lose to the Utah Jazz, who are on a heater, actually, and the Jazz are a whole other topic because uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that I, 
If I was a Jazz fan, I'd be concerned because I don't know what direction the team is headed in. Uh, they're not good enough to make the playoffs. They're not bad enough. The roster is clearly not bad enough to tank. I don't know what they do. Anyway, they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Beat them pretty good, 132 points. We know that Milwaukee's defense is not good. We know that they're giving up a lot of points. 132 points to the Utah Jazz. That seems like a lot. It is a lot. The Bucks, man, something's going on. They're now on a two-game losing streak, but they have lost four out of the last five to the Pacers' back-to-back games. They beat the Spurs barely, which we'll talk about in a second, and uh, then to the Rockets and the Jazz. Something's going on. I don't know what is up. Uh, it all kind of seems like it's stemming from Giannis's freak out. I mean, not really, but ever since Giannis's freak out, he's had some wild, wild postgame quotes. I don't know. Look, I'm a Sixers fan. I'm just going to say it. We all love Giannis's story. It's fantastic. It's the American dream story. I think it is the coolest thing ever. I love that he brought his brother along with him. All three brothers have a, a legit playing in the league. Like that is amazing. However, this little act, him freaking out about the game ball, which his coach, Malik Beasley, said that, uh, yeah, I don't know why he's freaking out. I saw our coach, one of our coaches grabbed it right after the game. Then he loses his mind, whatever. Uh, now he's saying all these weird post-game quotes. I don't know if you guys have heard them, but uh, no, there's no better person to hear it from than him. Listen. For some context, this was Giannis when he was asked about what it's like losing to the Pacers four times this season so far. You you have that, uh, and you think about it. Now when you go back home, and you sleep, and you wake up, you think about it. Now when you go back and uh, work out, you think about it. You know, when you're about to get freaky at night, you think about it. You know, um, but at the end of the day, it's good because now it gives us time to fix things. That might be funny as a little silly quote. I don't know. Just every one of his quotes bother me. <laughs> That's, and I'm not even a hater. I don't even hate Giannis. It just is. It's it's truly getting old. It, it really is. So that was after losing to the Pacers. And then he hit us with this doozy the other night where I can't find audio about it. But um, I'm going to hit you with the quote anyway. Uh, it was He was basically asked about the team's recent struggles. And he said, quote, everybody has to be better. Everybody. It starts from the equipment manager. He has to wash our clothes better. Again, silly little quote. That's awesome. I'm sure the equipment manager was just chilling on the side. I tweeted a little Drewski uh, video where he's like pointing at like me. You're talking to me. Uh, and then the Jazz, of course, I absolutely love it. They, for their, uh, to announce that they won on Twitter, posted a video of their equipment manager. I think that's fantastic. I don't know. Giannis, man, strange. It, it's, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Obviously, Dame didn't play, but. Something's up with the Bucks, and I don't know what it is. Now, sticking on this Giannis thing, how about the other night, the Giannis and Wimby duel that we saw? I have never in my life seen more highlights from one game and one player than Wimby had that game. The lob to himself off the glass, the worst transition defense I've ever seen in my entire life from Dame that led up uh, to the behind-the-back Eurostep poster on Lopez. I watched that highlight probably 25 times, and I'm still not sure how he actually dunked it. Uh, how about the back cut that he had on Giannis? Things that a human being that large should never be able to do. Now, admittedly, I haven't watched the most Spurs basketball this year. I have read a lot and from a lot of Spurs fans on Twitter, just that they're frustrated with the play from everybody else on their team and on the roster, not looking for Wimby. 
And I saw some glimpses. I saw what they were talking about. Wemby will be wide open and you'll have some dude trying to force something. And look, that will come. It's not going to happen immediately. We're still less than 35 games into his career. But I see the frustration by Spurs fans. Wemby should be the guy, especially when he has it rolling like he did against the Bucks the other night. Now, speaking of having it rolling, uh, let's talk about this Jokic game winner against the Golden State Warriors. My goodness. That dude continues to impress and amaze with just about everything he does. I, again, Sixers fans probably won't love to hear that. I'm a fan of basketball. I've talked about my opinions with Jokic and with everything going on. He's just am he's amazing. If you like basketball, it's hard to not appreciate what he does when you watch him. And that was two games ago. How about the game last night or two nights ago against the Pistons? Yes, it was the Pistons, but Jokic takes three shots. He ends with four points, 16 assists, and seven boards. Now, uh, what bugs me most is, of course, a bunch of Nuggets fans are like, oh, he does. he's not a shot chucker. He doesn't have to shoot a bunch like Embiid does. It's like, okay, you are telling on yourselves. Embiid shoots a lot because he is the best scorer on the team and the best scorer in the league. He shoots a lot because his team needs him to score to win. Jokic and the Nuggets, they don't need Jokic to score 40 points a night for them to win. Clearly, we just saw that. They are so different. Their games are so different. Nobody can just sit back and appreciate both of them. It's like, oh, Jokic has all those assists, drops all these dimes, 16 of them. Let's find a way to shit on Embiid. Or Embiid goes off and drops 50 points, and ah, let's find a way to just dunk on Jokic because he can't do that. It, it, again, it all goes back to my enjoying basketball. Where did that go wrong? Where did we, like, we just have lost ourselves, man. There's no more love of the game. It's love of your team and then hate everybody else. That makes me sad. Now, speaking of Jokic and his game winner against the Warriors, what on earth happened to the Golden State Warriors? They are an absolute mess. From the Draymond Green suspension, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Clay's insane drop-off, Chris Paul's injury is out like four to six weeks now with a broken hand, Steve Kerr sitting Jonathan Kaminga in just the biggest crucial part of the game. They blow the big lead against the Nuggets. Now players are leaking things to Shams. They are an absolute mess. Truly a mess. And I don't even know where they go from here. They are sub-500. They are not a good team. They show no signs of life. They are out of the play-in game. They're sitting at 17 and 19. I don't know. Let, I just It's embarrassing. They're 12th in the West. I honestly don't know what the play is for this team. And honestly, it's kind of sad to see play out in real time. It really is. There was a, a report that came out that said, hey, uh, the most likely outcome for Golden State at the deadline is they don't really do anything. They try to get healthy. They see how much better things can look with Draymond Green and then make some tough decisions in the summer. Now, every report that has come out says that exact thing, is that the Warriors are committed to Draymond Green long-term through his contract, play this whole thing out. Now, this whole Draymond Green situation truly is the worst. The NBA comes out just the other night and says, hey, they're reinstating him after 12 games. They're bringing him back. And then Draymond gets on his podcast and in the latest episode yesterday, he dropped some real just knowledge on us. And I'm going to play both clips. The first one is what he said about his conversation with Adam Silver. Listen to this. I had a conversation with Adam Silver, commissioner of our league. I just told him, Adam, it's too much for me. Like, this is too much. It's all becoming too much for me. And I'm going to retire. 
And Adam said, ah, you're making a very rash decision. And I won't let you do that. You know, we had a long, great conversation, very helpful to me, very thankful uh, to play in a league with a commissioner like Adam, uh, who's more about helping you than hurting you or helping you than punishing you or, you know, he's more about the players. I just... I have such a hard time feeling any type of sympathy for the guy. What does he mean by this is all a lot? Like the fact that you're randomly swinging punches at dudes and that you got in trouble for it. That's a lot. I don't know, man. It's all weird and it sucks. Here's also another quote that he said he had a meeting with uh, Steve Kerr. Listen to this. Also on that day, Coach Kerr came to visit me after shoot around. And we sat in the yard. He cried. I cried. Um, Because there's a bond there that we've seen it all. Seen the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. And he just said to me, I want you to end this the right way. Now, I don't think that it's lame that his head coach came over and had an emotional conversation with him. That's fine. But again, me struggling to find sympathy for the guy. Draymond Green has been very outspoken. Look at the Rudy Gobert situation. I am so outspoken that I hate Rudy Gobert. But Draymond has crushed him for crying, for showing emotion, for doing all this. So miss me with the sympathy that you and your coach got together and had an emotional conversation where you cried and he said he wants you to end your career the right way. I don't know. He sucks, but I can't wait to see what it looks like when he comes back. I mean, Draymond has automatically become a must-watch anytime he's on the floor because you have no idea what he's going to do. Now, speaking of sucks, how about the Lakers and the Suns? (laughs) They're almost in the exact same boat, which is pretty wild to think about. Now, obviously, the Suns are sitting a little bit prettier because they have the most upside, but uh, the Lakers are not looking pretty themselves. Lakers currently sub 500 sitting in the 10th seed. They're lucky to be in the playing game. 18 and 19. The Suns a little bit over uh, 500 and 19 and 17. Both of them not looking good. Now, again, the Suns have been banged up. They obviously, as I mentioned, have more upside and more to feel excited about uh, than any of those teams because any team that's got Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, you feel good about. The Lakers roster is hilarious. It's not something that you feel good about. It's been hilarious since the bubble, if we're being honest. It doesn't make sense. It's dysfunctional. Darwin Ham is now, uh, I, I mean, he'll be the first to go. He'll be the scapegoat. But again, they're sitting not in a very good place. There's a video of LeBron, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, him just ferociously brushing the hair that he doesn't have on his head as he tries to answer questions post-game uh, two games ago. That was really, really funny. Uh, so check it out if you haven't. But again, all three of these teams are struggling. It's very odd to see. What did the Lakers do? Like, it almost feels like they're in this weird in-between waiting point where obviously it's LeBron's team, but what do you do? Do they make a move at the deadline? The comparison that I like for my hockey fans, it's almost like the Washington Capitals and Ovechkin. Where Ovi is chasing Gretzky's goal record, they're kind of handcuffed until then. Is that what the Lakers are doing? Like, with Ovi, it's going to take at this rate probably another three seasons, maybe longer. But what do the Lakers do with LeBron? Like, are they going to be the ones who draft Bronny to try to make him happy? Do they keep him in L.A.? Does he want to finish his career there? 
truly, I don't know what they do. I, I, they've been linked. They're linked to everybody at every trade deadline, every rumor. I have no idea what they're going to do, but honestly, I don't hate seeing it because the Lakers have had so much uh, success that it's kind of in a weird way. feels, uh, feels nice to sit back and watch, but I will say LeBron's poster on Paul George the other night and the win against the Clippers. My goodness. It's pretty amazing that we're witnessing LeBron. I had this conversation. We're going to do a whole episode about it, but I had this conversation with my friends today where Skitty out of nowhere brought it up and said, isn't it crazy that we're, we've witnessed like the goats of almost every sport in our generation? Like that's pretty cool. Then we started talking about it. And I started thinking about it more and was looking on Twitter and uh, what a blessing that we have been able to see LeBron play uh, me, the perfect age. I saw him come up, obviously, out of high school. I was in junior high, so it was like the perfect age for me. I've seen him to this point in his career. It's, again, just amazing to appreciate. I don't love the guy always, but to sit back and be like, holy crap, he has done this at this high of a level, unlike we've ever seen before, and he is still doing it at that same level. It's amazing. You just have to, again, we're all witnesses. You just have to sit back and appreciate greatness. I want to tell you about the easiest way to get some action on the NBA. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can also pick from rivals, which pits two players against each other for a head-to-head -head matchup. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip, Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the code TBF24, that's TBF24, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Are you a slave to the can? Why don't you grow up and maybe join CEDA, Can Energy Drinkers Anonymous. At Buffed Energy, our energy is literally too powerful for a can. It also includes ingredients that can't sit around in water for months, let alone a day. Our proprietary blend of organic mushrooms combined with nootropics and caffeine will give you the boost you love from energy drinks and the focus you desire when you ask your friends if you can get some Adderall from them. I literally drank one before setting my underdog fantasy lineup tonight for Monday Night Football, and guess who hit two pick'em slips? You're damn right, go birds. Buffed Energy, destroying energy drinks one can at a time. Calling all golfers. Do you have a problem three-putting? If you said no, you were either in complete denial or you're just a straight-up liar. Jokes aside, and in all reality, who doesn't? It's inevitable. We're all three-putters. Well, let me introduce you to a new lifestyle brand for golf that is made for us. The Three-Putt Golf Company. Golf gear that meets the average golfer where they are, but looks like a professional brand. The first drop sold out in hours, but more are coming. Keep an eye out for the drop, discounts for That's Ball Folks listeners, giveaways, and more. Three Putt Golf Company. Everybody three putts look good doing it. Are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn? Have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive? You tired of wasting resources and money watering it? If you are like me, the answer is yes to all of those. You should consider artificial grass. Beehive Turf out of Northern Utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round. Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn.
let's go back to uh, Joel Embiid for a second. And I want to talk about Patrick Beverly's quote on the Patrick Beverly podcast uh, about Embiid. Did, it, did everybody hear it? If if not, I'm going to plug it right now so we don't mix up the words. It's from Pat Bev directly. Here you go. Joel Embiid averaged 40 and 10 for an hey, entire listen, month. If he finishes this season the way he's playing now, it would be the greatest season of a single player that's ever played basketball. Damn. That doesn't make you the best big man in the league. That makes you the best motherfucker in the world. Joe, he is in a world of his own. And I don't even think it's close. I think it's a toggle between like him and the man. What? Straight up. Some five man, some centers that I've been, I played against last year that I'm playing against now that like no one says anything to Joe. Not one word. No one can say shit. No one can stop him. He is the most dominant player in basketball right now. And it's not even close. I don't think he needs a chip. He get a chip solidified. It's not even close. Dude, shout out to Joel Embiid, man. How about that? How about that for an endorsement from your teammate? Now, while I agree with them about the dominance, we talked about it. Could he miss out on one of the most dominant seasons ever? Could he miss out on back-to-back -back MVPs because of this threshold? Ugh. We'll see. I hope not, but we'll see. Also, I have a lot of thoughts about him. He's got this 30-point, 10-rebound streak alive. I think that's cool. He was in late against the Knicks in a blowout. They kept him in, and guess what? Now he's he's hurt. Got a lot of thoughts about it, but uh, he misses the game against the Jazz and now misses practice. So I'm going to keep those thoughts to myself, but I can promise you they are very similar to what everybody else is thinking. Now, let's end with this. Well, couple more things but we'll we'll dive into this the trade deadline i want to talk about it we're getting closer it's approaching in february and i want to look at this from a sixers perspective but before we do so there's a lot of interwined and intertwined rumors and pieces that would have to move so we'll start at the top we've talked about it last episode toronto the raptors they've got to move siakam question is where per shams yesterday the hawks pacers and mavs all remain interested let's start with the hawks they have a team full of tradable assets. They informed teams the other day that the only untouchables are Trey Young and Jalen Johnson. That means DeJounte Murray, Bogdanovich, both those dudes are available. Honestly, some pretty good pieces that Toronto could want to go after. And if any of you are like me, you still have nightmares about Bogdanovich torching the Sixers in the playoffs a few years ago. I think, personally, Bogdanovich would fit perfectly with Maxi and Embiid. He has a decently friendly deal remaining as well. He's locked up, makes 17.2 uh, next year, 16 and 25-26, and 26-27. I like that. That's not a bad hit at all, especially with us having the most cap space available this offseason moving forward. I would like that. I don't think that's an overpay for somebody who will legitimately help you right now. Now let's look at the Kings. The Kings have reportedly made Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Davion Mitchell available. I don't love Barnes at all. I never have. Apparently, the Kings and Raptors had discussed some type of Barnes-Siakam deal. Obviously, there'd be more involved in that, but that fell through. Uh, Mitchell, he's fun, intriguing, but Kevin Herter is the one that I am most intrigued by. Again, those same Atlanta Hawks teams that torched Sixers in the playoffs, Herter was doing his thing. Yeah, he's had a down year, but legitimately could be somebody that the Sixers could use so badly. He's also on a favorable contract that's comparable to Bogdanovich's. 15.6 this year, 16.8 next year, 17.9 and 25.26. Now imagine him with Embiid and Maxi. Do you like open threes? I do. Speaking of open threes, 
Buddy Heald's name is apparently on the market. Buddy Heald is the most almost hypothetical sixer of all time. He's in the last year of his deal. Then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Obviously, whatever team trades for him is going to want to lock him up long term. The Sixers, again, they've got a lot of space. People are very hit and miss. They're torn with Buddy Heald. I don't know. But apparently now that they're in on Siakam, is that a piece that they could move? Does Halliburton's injury and the extent of that injury, does that affect how aggressive or not aggressive they are at the deadline? Time will tell. How about the Pistons? They're apparently in the market. They should be in the market always. Uh, they may be in the play for Siakam. Jake Fisher had a report just the other day that, hey, uh, they are actually in as one of the big players making a push. The Pistons are. They want to win now player, a veteran. There are links with Tobias Harris. Uh, again, I don't see Detroit actually doing anything besides offloading their Bogdanovich, who also is an intriguing player for the Sixers. I don't know. Again, a lot of pieces. Malcolm Brogdon in Portland. I think that's another name to keep an eye on. Portland has to dump him. It wouldn't make any sense. They would do right by him. It would make a lot of sense for them and their season, which is already down in the dumps, uh, to go to a team. We saw what Bogdan, or I'm sorry, what Brogdon is and what he can do on the Celtics. Again, I think sharing a backcourt with Beverly and with Maxi, I think he could fit. All of these players, very intriguing. The deadline's going to get closer and closer. We're going to see more rumors. Hopefully, more dominoes start to fall. I expect a wild deadline. And again, so curious to see what the Sixers actually do. Now, this is what I wanted to actually end with. And they're just a couple highlights. Again, for my hoop heads who listen to this, you're going to appreciate this. I don't know how many of you are actual college basketball fans, but I'm going to drop a couple names on you here because I think you are really going to like it. The first one being... How about some Ivy League love? The pride of Princeton, New Jersey. Xavier Lee. This guy is going to be a professional basketball player. He is for real. The other day against Harvard, he dropped 33-8-8. Eight and eight, And the dude has some swag to his game. I genuinely mean some swag. And it is fun to watch. Again, if you were a basketball fan, if you were a college basketball fan, he is somebody that, A, I'm sure you've already kept an eye on and that you're already familiar with. Uh, but B, somebody who you just enjoy watching play. I hope for their sake that they can actually win and come out of the I League and play in March because he is somebody that everybody should know. Everybody should know this dude. He's that fun. He's that talented of a player. Somebody to keep an eye on. And the last guy who I want to hit you with, somebody who I absolutely love, who has been balling out, we talked about him a little bit uh, last year. They didn't make the tournament, but somebody who is going to legitimately, when I say this, be a household name in March. He will be a household name in March. He goes by the name of Keisei Tomonaga. He is awesome. Legitimately a little lefty Steph Curry. I am putting him on your radar now so that when March rolls around and the entire nation falls in love with him, you already know his name. Do yourself a favor YouTube some of his highlights right now. He is another dude who is nasty, but not just nasty. Somebody that you're like, holy crap, this dude is fun to watch. Now, when this episode comes out, uh, it's going to be Tuesday. And Purdue, the number one team in the entire country, happens to be playing at Nebraska. And I think that we're going to get some highlights here. Truly, I really do. They're fun, man. Nebraska basketball is fun. And I am excited to see what they can actually do 
up against Purdue. Tomonaga, put him on your radar. Look him up on YouTube. That's all I got. As always, thank you all for listening. Love that I get to do this. Season three, we're back in Adam. Uh, about to have some fun guests on here, so hope you're ready for it. We're going to have a nice little run, um, and it's going to be fun, branching out a little bit, and it's going to be fun for you guys to listen. Uh, again, hope you all have a great week. Go Sixers. Hope Embiid is healthy. Make sure to mention his knee in your prayers if you're religious, and if you're not, maybe you should uh, just throw a little good vibes out into the atmosphere because we need Big Fella to be healthy. Um, birds play in Tampa. Again, don't want to really mention them, but my goodness gracious, we need it more than ever. So hopefully Baker doesn't torch our secondary and we're zero and zero, as Sirianni said. <laughs> Let's win a game. <gasps> My goodness. Anyway, love you all. Hope you have a great week. And uh, that's all, folks. Bye.